Hello and welcome to season two of Stuck in the Mud, the podcast. In this season, I'm opening up some of the bigger themes from my book, Stuck in the Mud, Stories of Hope for When You're Stuck. If you're interested in the book, it is on general release. What I say to people is, look for the yellow boots. Now, in this season, I'm interviewing a bunch of different people in a way that I hope you'll find interesting. What we've done is chosen a theme, prepared four questions each for each other, and then taken it in turns to open up the conversation to see where we go. I hope that you enjoy all of these conversations, and I really hope to see you soon. Well, hi, and it's really good to see you. This is the second season of the Stuck in the Mud podcast. In this season, we're asking four questions to each other. And today, I've got a really good friend of mine, a guy called Adam. Adam, today we're talking about parenting. Um, or I guess more specifically, we're talking about being dads, and we're very qualified for that. Um, but Adam, just before we get into these questions to each other, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, where you're at, where and and yeah, how we know each other maybe. Yeah, uh, okay, so my name is Adam. I'm here in sunny Hales Owen, which is just south of Birmingham, in the middle of the UK. Uh, I live with my wife, Bridget, and my two twin boys, Douglas and Huckleberry, who are three and a half. And we're also expecting another baby. I'm not sure if it's a boy or a girl yet. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's a girl. I'm thinking it's a girl, but we're not sure. We, we don't know. We're going to find out in two weeks because that's when the due date is. So that's exciting. Um, I'm in pastor of a church uh, here in Hells Owen called Life Central Church. And um, I know you because you were my life saviour. When I started off in my youth ministry stuff a few years ago over in a town called Budley, which is quite far away. So, yeah, that's how we know each other. And, um, yeah, we've become good friends, haven't we, really, over the yeah, years? Yeah, it's been so good. And actually, what, what was just fantastic about getting to know you and you being down, really down the road from where I lived, it was like the next, sort of the next village down. It, it was like there were times when I'd just be like, I just need some Adam time. <laughs> And we go to the pub and get um, uh, and get some ales and just sit uh, sit there by the fire uh, in the pub in Budley. So good. And now you're so far away, and we have to concoct reasons to talk over over so, over interviews. So so weird, isn't it? So yeah. Weird. But let's but let's get into this. We've got. Um, four questions for each other we don't know what each other are going to ask we'll take it in turns would you like to go first yeah i'm going to ask you this question it's a big one what's been the greatest challenge for you as a dad in this last year because i think like in this year we've been through three lockdowns so what's been the greatest challenge for you as a father in this season i think I th that's a challenge for me because i i want to be an amazing dad like I, I want to be an amazing dad but the greatest challenge for me i think has been um coping with the fact that uh if we're all locked in four walls that i'm not um that i'm not necessarily what i i i i, I hope to match up to you know like i want to i want to i've got three kids um a 14-year-old girl, an 11-year-old boy, a 6-year-old girl. And obviously in the three lockdowns, I was working as well. And they've got challenges and I've got challenges and, and my wife has got challenges and, you know, all this different stuff. 
right at the center of it all, I want to be the kind of dad that I hope I am in normal times, you know, with time for them, with uh, interest in all of their interests and all of that sort of thing. But I think the greatest challenge has been that I don't think I've been that. And I, and I, and that, and that makes me feel rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Like it makes me feel horrible because um, as a youth worker as well, there are times when, and I mean, you, you must know this with church. There are times when like, and I pastoring, I mean, you know, th there are times when like there's a bunch of stress and nobody's getting my best. But then I go, okay, everybody, I've got to now do a youth group. And I click go and I go, hey, everybody, let's have some fun. I love you and I love you and I, and I, and I love you. And we're all a community together and I've got something prepared and it's a video and it's a talk and it's a, and it's a worship thing and it's a thing, you know, it's all this stuff. And I just know that in the other room, I've not matched up to that standard that I kind of set myself for and it, and it eats away at you. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I get that. I think it's really tough as I think like that whole thing you just mentioned about wearing a mask thing and removing it for one moment part of you, you can't, can't compartmentalize your life as, as easy as you once were able to. Yeah. But like, I remember like, uh, speaking to someone on the phone and it was like a horrendous thing that had happened to them like they were really really sad really upset and I was pastoring them through the situation literally I could hear my kids fighting downstairs but as soon as I came off the phone I kind of walked downstairs and my wife was just like ah yeah and I'm like, okay I've got now flip from dealing with that to picking up this and being like strict dad again and yeah it's hard isn't it it's really hard that sort of stuff it's so hard and it and it and it begins to make you wonder whether you're the authentic person that you hope that you would be like i want to be i want to be sort of transparent with my family and talk to them about issues and i also want to be transparent with a with a group of young people but but lockdown has 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 been so weird because there would be times if you know let's say i left the house and something had gone wrong in the house and I drive to the place I'm working or the drive to the place I'm, I'm, I'm doing youth work. And then I sit there with young people. There might be an appropriate moment to say, do you know, I hear what you're saying. You know, maybe they've had a hard time. Do you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm sat here listening to you thinking I had a hard time at home earlier as well. And there's a bit of space in between when you can perhaps do that appropriately and be and be transparent. But if you're going from one room to another room, just onto a Zoom call, I can't be like, hey, guys, yeah, I just rowed with Madeline, you know, or Louise is, you know, we're on this youth club, just know my wife's not very happy with me right now. You can't, I can't do that. And so it eats away at my feeling of, of whether I'm being authentic or whether I'm being, whether I'm being um, uh, consistent, you know, but um but that that feels hard, and that is a hard question. That's a big one to start with. Let 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 let, let me ask you a question here. So, I talk a lot in my book. Like one of the reasons why this um, podcast exists is because I've I've launched a, um, my book, Stuck in the Mud, and and I talk at Stuck in the Mud about parenting fails. 
all right? And particularly parenting fails that very much ended up defining moments. So like, you know, um, you know, moments in time where something happened with the kids and as a parent, it was an absolute fail, but it ended up being one of the big leap leapfrog moments that launched us into something new. Can you think of anything like that in your uh, in your time as a dad, where you're like, "Oh man, that re- I really failed at that," but I learned a lot from that, and it and it's helped a lot. Yeah, I think probably the whole thing of being a dad is like that in many ways, isn't it? Like, um, I think being a twin dad, especially, is has been a tough journey for us because uh, we were so naive, especially I was. I was just like, "Oh, this would be a blast." Right. It's been a real along along the way. I just thought, oh yeah, you know, I'm good with kids, good with young people. There's going to be no issues. But what do you do in those moments when one baby's crying, one baby's in the bath, one baby's on the floor? How, how do you yeah those sorts of things? And like learning to multitask has been a big thing, and having eyes in the back of your head. Have you know, you've got three kids, so you'll understand it. Um, but you know, I think the biggest fail that I've realized and it isn't necessarily a parenting fail but it is around me being a parent is me saying it's closing myself off to ideas right thinking I was right so the reality the reason why we're having another baby is because like some stuff happened in me God did some stuff inside of me like he gave me some space to process some stuff like I was so you know this I was so anti having another child after the boys I was just like my mind is frazzled. How can I handle yeah. this? Um, and my wife would be like, Bridget would be like, this is a really good idea. We should we should think about this. And I'm like, no way, it's just a terrible idea. I'm never thinking about that. Don't mm. even ask me to be thinking about these sorts of new ideas about how we could even add another person into our family. Yeah. But having two months off last year due to COVID, I had like two months off paid. And it was like a moment where I could just detach away from all the stress because being a parent and being a dad is stressful and i think when you work because as a dad you work and you feel a rate of responsibility to earn the the money set set a standard all those sorts of things when that's kind of removed from you your identity remains as a dad Mm. do you know what i mean yeah your job's not there yeah but you're still a dad and your kids rely on you and love you and i think in that season when i wasn't and I think I realized, actually, do you know what? I've been so close off to this idea because of like, I've been so hung up on the stress of being a parent. Yeah. That actually I've missed the fun of being a parent. Yeah. And so my biggest fail actually was I was so focused on it right that I was becoming stressed out of it rather than actually enjoying it. Yeah. And so months of being with my kids, my kids are like, they're a whirlwind. They are brilliantly mental they're absolutely phenomenal boys and they're hard work but i had two months with them where every single day it was almost like boris did this thing to me like the prime minister did this thing was like now you go for a walk every single day with your children because you have to have a daily exercise whereas before i wouldn't even think about daily exercise do you know what i mean sure once every now and then I, i might go for a swim or and beautifully where I lived was a beautiful place, stunning place where I lived. And I just never used to go out. And as soon as the lockdown came, every single day I was out with my kids. And I remember one day, it was just me and them. And I was just holding their little hands and they had their little hands wrapped around my little finger. And I just thought, gosh, they're getting big now. Yeah. They're growing up. They're not little boys anymore. And I, 
and like I remember thinking I can't hold you like a little baby anymore and no that's I'm right. really actually glad, you know like that failure wasn't it was just being lost in the stress rather being lost in the fun and I yeah. think like through the first lockdown I got lost in the fun so much that I was like, let's go for it. Let's guess have another baby. And um, yeah. I'm so delighted. With that. Oh, this is definitely the last one, though, for sure. Yeah, sure. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I think, like, before I was so closed off to it because I was yeah. so caught up Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think one thing that's really, you know, I mean, I don't know if, it, if it's the same for mums. It's definitely a dad thing that that your situation around you really is defining the decisions you're capable of making. And I remember, you know, we lived in a cottage where there was only one and a half bedrooms that dictated the stress of living in a place like that dictated the size of our family. And then the next place we lived, there was a dictation about how much we could cope with things. And so I hear what you mean about this different like the different stresses that come along and, and the imagination of what could be. And um, it, yeah, I think that there is, there is an element that um, I, I love what you say there about Boris telling us to go for a walk. Isn't it funny? Cause we all did, didn't we? Honestly, so we, I still, still yeah. do, don't we? Like go for my daily exercise, like daily exercise wasn't even in our vocabulary really yeah. like this time last year, because yeah. it, it just, it wasn't and now we're all like i've got to go for it and yeah gotta go crazy crazy wow let me ask you a question then um as a as a christian because you because you're obviously you're a christian what's been the biggest challenge uh in this season as a christian as a christian father how how has that been for you so like um I know a bit of your story, like obviously you moved to Telford, you found this great church, amazing youth ministry, kids ministry going on, and your family were like feeling really settled and enjoying it. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, nope, you can't go there anymore because the pandemic. Yeah. How was that? And it's been it's been hard. I think that responsibility of being um I, I mean, I I believe of I think I think that we're we're of a similar mind that you know, each of us as individuals are 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 spiritually responsible and we're and we're all leaders but there is something about a fatherly responsibility in a family that if 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 it means something to 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 us as dads that there is a particular fatherly responsibility a spiritual responsibility on dads um you, you know i think i think you can really feel that and i feel that very much and i think you know it's it's felt difficult um that responsibility of um, seeing seeing the kids whether they whether they're growing still and whether Louise is coping and we haven't coped particularly well. I don't mind saying this. So we haven't p- coped particularly well with um, with like Zoom church, you know, with uh, online Facebook church. Um, uh, now that's not to say we've completely disengaged from church, but it's been you know a year now since we've had that kind of. Um, uh, that kind of community feeling in the house, and I feel diff- I feel difficult about that because I have this feeling that there's a spiritual responsibility that me as a dad I've got to be setting a standard and I've got to be leading the family. Now the truth is, of course, there's two of us in this house that have got that responsibility. Louise is the other one, but we both struggle in different ways. And so as be- being a being a being a, a Christian parent, um, I do feel a, a, a weight on that. Now, 
the, the, I think the good news in that, um, because that does feel like a weight, that does feel difficult. I think the good news is that, you know, we don't have to feel um, like we've failed forever. Like, I know that this is a season, do you know what I mean? And I feel difficult about it. I don't like it. I don't love the fact that, you know, for example, when I kind of um, try and engage the kids in something and they say no, I'm like, oh man, well, maybe if I was a more inspirational father or maybe if I was a more inspirational leader or maybe I, maybe if I was a bit closer to Jesus, they'd want to pray more. But but actually, um, I, I know that God's got this in hand. I know that I know that I'm um, determined to keep my relationship with Jesus strong and and the kids see me pray, they see me worship, they, you know, and so I'm like, okay, if I can't coax, you know, it's that thing of like, come and do as you're told, come and pray or come and read the Bible. I can't coax them to do that. They just won't do it. But but hopefully they see me r remaining um, uh, determined to run a race with Jesus. And then as the world opens up again, hopefully they'll they'll engage. Um, but that's... Um, that's definitely been a challenge as well. I get that. I think for us, even as, as a pastor, like yeah. we found that challenge in this season. Um, yeah. Like we're super blessed to have a, a, be part of a church with great kids ministry and youth ministry. And, and, um, and this isn't me blowing my, my church's trumpet too high, but, but the engagement of young people within, in our church has been amazing in this season. Wow. But we have drop off in this last yeah. Uh, lockdown, if I'm honest with you, because people are fatigued and they're weary, yeah. and the kids work is has been unbelievable as well. But it, it's the challenge of getting your young your kids to engage at yeah. home is very different to bringing them to an amazing facility with amazing things going on. And for me and Bridget, our faith has, has taken, I say, taken a batter. And I, yeah. I think it's been hard, you know, like even as a pastor to engage with. Our online, our online church, I would say, is up there with some of the best. But to engage with that while your kids are screaming at you yeah. at home, I want this for dinner. I want that. Can you put Blippi on? Can you put Amazon yeah. Prime on? Can you, like, yeah. Yeah. Or oh, you put it on and all you can hear is their stuff over your stuff. And it's it's trying to carve that time out, isn't it? In yeah. order to for everybody to sort of forge their relationship a bit deeper with Jesus and how you do that. I think for us, the biggest win that we've had is our prayer life as a family. Right. With our kids when they go to bed uh, and making sure that, that that rhythm is still in place. I think like church, if they do it, it's a total win. If they don't, we're not going to hold it against them. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. it. This actually leads quite nicely on, I think, to the question I have for you, mate, which is about um, the idea of leaving a kind of healthy legacy or planting a healthy legacy in your kids. Um, um, uh, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's difficult because we all feel like we, you know, we fail at, at stuff at different times, but, but, you know, I know that, that I've got this kind of like set of things that I want to, I, I want to kind of give to my kids through who I am, my faith, my, um, my, um, my love for them, my hope for their for their future, all, all this different stuff. What what kind of legacy um, are you trying to leave in your in your lads? It's a really really good question, um, and one that I've been thinking about for a while. Um, 
what I did actually a few years ago, I wrote an obituary about myself from my kids. Wow. Um, and it wasn't me necessarily saying that's who I was right then, but it was saying who I wanted to be. And I think I've heard was, about people doing that. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's really helpful. And, and I've done one from Bridget. I've done one from my parents and from my friends, my, my, my colleagues. And so every now and then I'll just revisit that. And it helps me sort of check if I'm doing those sorts of things. Like, I think like what you said, I want my kids to know that I was available mm. for the, I think first of all that I was available and to be honest with you a lot of the time I fail at that because I'm yeah. very busy and I allow my things to become dominant in my lives rather mm. than putting them to one side and going okay do you know what you, my relationship with you is yeah. more important and I think like going back to that question earlier when, about how I decided to have a third child yeah that was thing with like actually laying down my ministry laying down stuff and just picking up being a dad again and loving it yeah and i think the legacy i want to leave my kids is is like uh, jesus comes first in our life always like whatever right. like we, we, we do it through jesus we, we're prayerful we're careful um but we're adventurous i want my kids to have an adventurous spirit like i want mm. i want them to be brave i want them to stand up for injustice and so yeah. like when we talk about stuff at home like injustices so for instance whatever your stance is on the harry and megan thing yeah racism and mental health is thing in today's society now bridget's a mental health nurse so that's great so we can talk about that quite yeah but we're a we're a white family in a very white neighborhood there's not going to be much racism going on around us really that we are going to be aware of so it's my responsibility to talk about that, yeah. to help them understand that's it, that's going on in today's society. And yeah. um, I think that that's it. I want I want them to be caring, compassionate men. But I think I think for me, I want them to be who God has called them to be and made them mm. to be. There's no point in me saying, "Come on, we all would love our kids to be famous footballers or like musicians, actors, whatever." Yeah. But what if if they don't want to be that? That's absolutely fine. And if Hook don't want to be a footballer and he's into ballet i'm gonna back him and i want yeah. him to know I, I i will back my children 100 percent. i was always there for them i loved them no matter what i was strict but i was i was fair yeah i was loving kind um those are the sorts of things that i think about when, when i think about what a legacy i'm leaving my children i, I want them to be the strong confident men really and i think yeah. this is a good question for us as parents because we often get it wrong. We think, oh, we're raising a child. No, we're not. We're raising men and women. Exactly. Um, yeah. And we stop thinking we're raising children. I'm not saying don't treat them like children because there's, there's loads of fun in that, but we are raising men and women. We're, we're, we're growing men and women. Yeah. And, and, you know, whatever they're to be in the future, I want them to have integrity and love and gentleness, yeah. you know. It is funny. Up. It is. It is funny, actually. Just this idea about raising men and women. I think our. I think our Western culture, um, and I don't mean Christian culture. I mean just generally. Um, I think that we've become obsessed with raising babies. Yeah. We've we're we're getting we're kind of getting our ducks in a row, and I don't and I don't necessarily mean this as a bad thing. Um, not a bad thing in the first instance, anyway. You know, we're like, let's get the mental health in maternity right. Let's get the mental health and the and the support right in 
um, in the early years development. Um, let's make sure that there's enough money available, enough time available for paternity leave, for maternity leave. Let's make sure everyone has rights. And then you see through um, the sort of mainstream kind of um, uh, kind of uh, consumer culture that there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, treating your baby right, um, you know, kind of being a gentle father with your with your tiny baby, things like that. But there is precious little out there for the formative stages. And it's almost like we've become addicted to the idea of being a perfect parent when it's little. But actually, you know, the challenge for, for, for us when our kids are teenagers is, you know, I mean, uh, my eldest daughter, Madeline, she has got 10 ideas a day. You know, she's, 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 she wants to bake, make, paint, grow, earn money. She wants to do all these different things. And if my legacy, talking about coming back to this legacy thing, if the legacy I leave in her is that there is no possibility of her own movement, then, then I'm doing her a disservice. Like, I mean, she came earlier today to me she was like because she's she's been she has to isolate from school at the moment but um but basically she was like i'm gonna make this cake this cake this cake this cake and this cake and the first thought i had was like oh no that's gonna really interfere with my day it'd be really easy for me just to say no that's not that's not gonna work today but actually i want to plant a, a i want to plant a seed in her imagination of yes and so i kind of was like well that sounds like a lot of cakes, maybe like focus on a couple, but that sounds really exciting. And that legacy then, you know, that, that, that thing that I'm putting in her of, you know, it is possible, you are capable. Um, I want to do this together. You know, that's good stuff. But, but, um, but I see this sort of obsession with, um, you know, raising children, actually, Madeline's nearly an adult, I've got to think of her as, you know, as, as an adult and, and in her growth and Samuel's 11, he's, he, you know, okay, I've got to start treating him like the kind of, um, uh, you know, the possibilities are there for him as an adult as well. So, you know, I think there's a lot in that. I think the other thing as well is like where they're at in, in this society, this generation, it's very different to where we are at. But yeah. the, the rate of uh, information that people pick it up that is available for people at all ages is um, so much faster than it was ever previous. So like Doug, he's three and he came to me the other day and went, Daddy, um, I need an iPad because uh, I've got to sort out my Facebook. And I was like, where have you learned those words from? And also, who is, do, do you, I was blown away by it. But I thought, that's amazing that he's picked that sort of language up from us. I mean, the other day I was getting him to, um, I had an electric sander and I was asking, I said to him, do you want to come and sand a piece of wood for me? And Bridget was like, are you sure you want him to do that? I'm like, listen, like, he, like I want to give him some, I want to treat him with a bit of responsibility. He, he's asking for that responsibility. I'm not saying here's electric sander, see you later, I'm off. Here's a saw, I'm yeah. Exactly. I'm stood there with him and I'm holding his hand. I, I don't want to baby him. I want him to learn skills and I want him to know that it's okay to learn. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, I think that's a, yeah. it's a good thing. Oh, this is good, mate. This is really good. Yeah. I'm loving this, mate. Let me get a question for you. Um, how, okay. This is, this is a bit of a more of a personal one. How's your mental health been in this season as a parent, as a, as just as a bloke, 
how have you found your mental health? How have you managed that sort of that stuff? Um, for, okay, so lockdown one, I was like, I, f I felt superhuman. I was, I was on it. I couldn't understand at all why anyone was worried. I couldn't understand why anyone was struggling. I was, I was, I was on it. Um, and I'd say that my mental health was, was, um, was in a good place. Like I was in a good place. Um, this third lockdown <laughs> coinciding with all the times that I've been talking about this book and all this different stuff. Um, I've felt at times completely out at sea, <laughs> completely. Um, I mean, I was saying to you um, uh, just before we hit record that uh, next week I'm starting a two-week leave. That there's no there's no other way to to say why I'm taking two weeks leave other than to just be honest and say it's because I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm in a privileged position where I can choose to take leave and everyone goes, oh, if John needs to take leave, then that sounds important. So that's fine. Um, you know, my my family have been really good about it. My teams have been really good about it. The chair of the trust has just gone, well, of course, if you're feeling like that, then take a couple of weeks off. But, the you know, the, the truth is I've just had to say to people, um, you know, I'm not... Um, uh, you know, I'm not stood on the edge of a cliff. Um, I'm not drowning, but I'm sensing something wrong that needs space and needs time. You know, it's like what you were saying a few minutes ago about, you know, you had a couple of, you had the gift of a couple of months to process and you saw the wood for the trees. That's me putting words in your mouth. But in a sense, that's that's kind of what you're saying. But I need a couple of weeks for that because my mental health, I think, has not been particularly good and and i can explain it away mate it's winter we've been indoors we couldn't do the daily walk there's been a lot of pressure i released a book you know i can explain it away all this different stuff actually it's just that i've, I've been feeling a bit a bit rubbish and, I, and i've needed to go i'm not doing well i'm not doing as well as i'd want to at work i'm not doing as well as i'd like to in uh in my kind of private life i'm i'm not i'm not being the kind of dad i want to be and so i've got to recognize that and not just plow on i can't just plow into a bottle of vodka like i you know i mean i mean i i i'd um <laughs> i'd happily take a bottle of rum but like i can't just plow into drink you know is what i'm saying i can't um i've got i've got to i've got to see the signs and go, I'm struggling. I've got to stop for a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's my honest answer to that. I, I think that is so good. Like for me, those two months off was just so helpful for me, like really, really healing. And even before I started here, I, I took a, like a, a slow process to get started in this new church here. And that was really helpful for me. But, you know, secretly, I think as well, like, um hadn't fully dealt with all my mental health so like you talk about like a bottle of rum there i think like actually i had a bad relationship with alcohol last year i think i've mentioned it to you when we were on the yeah. phone ago. like i probably was drinking quite a lot more than i realized i wasn't i wouldn't call yeah. myself an alcoholic but um you know i had a lot going on for pre-lockdown my my brother died i had like a horrendous time in the job i was in at the time and um and you can make all these excuses kind of like what you said, yeah. but I think like it got 
point where it got to New Year and I was like, my relationship with alcohol is not healthy here. And mm. if I'm not careful, then I will go on a very, very negative route here. I've got to do something about my mental health. And for me, like, um, I've watched your journey with Team Body Project. I've been really proud of you to see you go through that whole pro- that whole journey. And I remember you saying to me, oh, you could get on that. And I was like, no chance, mate. No <laughs> chance in my interest. Um, but I've just completely couched to 5K and, and I feel much yeah. better for it. I hate running, to be honest with you, but I know it's the right thing for me. And, and now I'm planning to run up to 10K. And I think, like, you've got to be doing, finding those things and taking regular breaks, like Sabbath. It's a very Christian word, religious word, but it's about just unplugging and resting. And I think yeah. if you Sabbath for two weeks, a week, whatever, you know, since I started my new role, I haven't had a day off in the week, which is really weird for me as a pastor because normally I get a day off in the week. Mm. And that sounds like... No, I also recognise it as a luxury, but yeah. I also get our work on a Sunday, and that's infected me. And I'm about to have another baby, and I've just had to have a conversation today with my boss and say, "Hey, do you know what? Like, I'm going to be having a day off during a week." And he was like, "Yeah, you need to. Your family right. is the most important thing that you have." And so, yeah. mental health is like there is no shame in talking about. There's no shame in, in dealing no. with it, and. I th- really brave that you've, you've sort of said that actually i need two weeks off good yeah. good on you man. well listen i mean i think i've said this to you before and it's worth sort of talking about i think you know i'm not getting better as a pet i'm not i'm not becoming a better parent you know each each time uh something knocks me you know a couple of 18 months ago my dad died um that experience has 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 obviously shaped who I am now. Not all of that is 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 fantastic, you know. I'm as I'm getting older, I'm a little bit less patient. I'm a little bit less resilient um, in certain areas. I'm more resilient in other areas, but I don't have the same capacity. And so I've got to, and I think we do as dads, we've got to we've got to be honest and open and say, um, you know. If, if you want me to get better at this and to keep growing and to keep adapting, then I, then, then you need to give me some time. And I don't mean like, you know, and, and this is, I don't mean to be disparaging about video games. I don't mean about, about disappearing in a den with video games. I don't mean about disappearing in a hut, like, you know, the traditional, you know, man shed thing. I don't mean about, about escapism. I'm talking about uh, reflection and growth and saying it's okay to take a break in order to uh, grow and reflect and come back. And even making that decision has been uh, quite transformative for me. Even that has made me go, oh, okay, um, I need to um, uh, I need to do this and this and this that I didn't see before um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and spend more time with the kids and spend more creative time with the kids, you know, a time that has, um, uh, you know, wider limits than, than what I want to put on it. Um, yeah. yeah. Let me, let, let me ask you, let me ask you this question then. This is going, um, uh, perhaps, uh, I hope this isn't too weird. Um, let me see whether I can frame this. Okay. When I was, um, when I was younger, there was this one particular day where something happened in my family where I uh, I saw my dad, I saw saw my dad cry 
Um, There's a couple of times I saw my dad cry. Um, and reflecting back on it, what I discovered was the reason why he was upset was because he was deeply feeling um, uh, the weight of responsibility as a father. But I didn't recognize that until I was a dad. So I can, I can remember it happening and I was a kid and, and I can look back and say, oh man, I really, you know, my dad really taught me something about responsibility that day. Um, is there something that you have discovered as a parent, which you've only realized you learned from the people who formed you, you know, your parents, your, you know, maybe it was your dad or an uncle or whatever, you know, is there something you can look back on and go, I didn't know at the time, but I realized it was this. Yeah, I, I think a lot actually. Um, it's strange, isn't it? When you when you become a parent, you think I'm never going to do what my parents did. Yeah. Well, I'll never I'll never be like you. Like I like I remember growing up and saying, Oh, I never want to be like you. Gosh, I want I want to do this that, and the other. And actually, you end up being very like your parents. Yeah. Without realizing it's a subconscious thing, isn't it? Because it's it's learned behavior. What we what we've learned from our parents. I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I've had an experience like seeing my dad cry and then understanding it like that. But I think maybe uh, like it would be a different way of me looking at it in the sense of my dad, my, I know my dad loves me and mm. I've always known a great relationship with my dad. Um, in fact, my dad is one of my heroes. But growing up, my dad wasn't really around because he was so busy earning money for us as a family so that we would have security in as a family mm. uh, and i would watch him come home and literally be a shell and go upstairs and go to bed and then he would be very poorly and then he would go back out on a monday morning we wouldn't see him all week and mm. then he would come back night and what i learned from that is i don't want to do that to my kids right I want to be that shell for my kids. I think like what you said, I want to learn to be available for my kids. I want to show them emotion and why I'm showing emotion. I want them to, yeah. that's not me criticizing my dad because my dad did something really sacrificial. Like my dad used to drive up to Carlisle every single Monday morning, He'd get up at four in the morning to be in a factory by like eight o'clock in the morning, basically. And he would drive up to Carlisle. Wow. He would run a business up in Carlisle. And we looked at moving up there. I mean, we we lived in like the South Midlands at the time. And it was like wow. a crazy. And my dad, my dad's a northerner. He'd moved down to the Midlands for work, and 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 I just I just I admire my dad so much. Like he, he's a real tenacious attitude, and I think that's one thing I've learned from him. Would be a never. You couldn't kick him when he was down. He would just always, especially when he became a. So my my dad wasn't a Christian straight away and he became a Christian quite late on. But when he became a Christian, watching his journey and how his faith, like his trust, that, I think that's one thing I would yeah. definitely learn from my dad, you know, his trust. I remember like one year he got, well, my dad used to, it sounds awful, he used to get made redundant quite a lot because he, he was in. So my dad was like in the print industry and yeah. different companies here, there and everywhere and the position he would hold would be quite high. And he held this high position. He was like really, really well paid at the time. 
We had a lovely company car, all that sort of stuff. And we were about to go on a big family holiday. And then he came home in the middle of the day once. And I was like, what are you doing home? And he was just like, oh, yeah, I don't work there anymore. Wow. And I was like, what? And he was just like, yeah, I haven't told your mum that yet. And I remember being eight and I was just, I was like eight and I was like, what, what are you telling me? That's just a weird thing. Yeah. And, and then he went and told my mum. My mum was like devastated. She was like really upset. And he was like, listen, worry about it. Yeah. Because God's got it. Christian, probably about six months at the time. Wow. I'm thinking, you've lost the best paid job you've ever had in your life. And wow. I, as an expert, I'm thinking, well, what does this mean for us as a family? Do we lose our home? What about holidays? We went on yeah. holiday two weeks later and we had an amazing time. And I think, like, a bit like this two months after I had my kids, like, he learned so much from me then. I had a bit of time for him again. Do you know? Do you have time yeah. for me? Do you know what and so I think the biggest lesson I've learned from my dad is I, I never want to put work above anything. Like, wow. Not my primary thing here. Like, I'm not called to be a, a, yes, I'm called to be a pastor, but that's not my primary call. My primary call is to be a husband and a father. And yeah. I want to be a veteran. And if that means that I have to, and, and that's it, you know, my dad, after a period of time, do you know what? He got sick of being this high flyer yeah. and getting made and getting big payoffs and stuff and so by the time my dad was like 55 he just quit the industry completely I and mean, my dad was like a, a managing director of a big international corporation and then he set up his own business to be a painter and decorator wow and so we went from having like a mercedes on the drive to having an old like a, a paint splatter van yeah like a 15 year old peugeot on the drive that just like sometimes wouldn't start in the winter right and i think most kids would be feeling a bit like, oh, God, we've got a terrible car. How can I show you that to, like, to my friends? But that was the moment I felt most proud of my dad. Wow. Most proud of him. Um, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just amazing, mate. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah. Oh, bless you. That's great. That's so cool. Crazy. Um, I've got one question for you to kind of wrap up with. Um What's been the greatest lesson that you've learned in this last year? What's been the one thing that you're going to take away from the pandemic 2020? What are you going to move forward with? What's the thing that you're going to hold on to the most? Oh, boy. That's, whoa, that's a big one. It was about 10 things that just whooshed into my head then. And then I was like, oh, wow. I'm not quite sure what to say. Um, do you know, I think one of the things that I've learned in this last year is that my kids, I say our kids, Louise and I's kids, are perfectly, wonderfully capable of kind of getting on in the world, you know? Like, yeah. I think, you know, and that that has shaped some of the way that I think and feel about... Um, you know, education, I don't mean I've got a bad attitude towards education, but, you know, the kids are so fantastic and so clever. And I think, you know, um, so I think earlier on I asked you a question about legacy and stuff. Like I want one of the legacies I give to the kids is being about possibility, wow. you know, about the possibilities out there. And I think this last year has really taught me the, the power of their imagination um 
And the unlocking feature of that often as a parent is to say yes when they yeah. have uh, when they when they have an idea or have something to move. You know, in the last year, Madeline set up her own little business. Wow. Samuel set up a YouTube channel and has been faithfully doing um, vi videos. Um, Evelyn is so creative. She's six, but she's she's so creative. You know, I think one of the big things that I've learned in the last year is that, uh, you know, if we listen to our kids and, you know, like you, you were saying about treating them like, like um, these sort of formed human beings, like, you know, the adults that they're going to be, not the children that they are. Um, and learning to say yes and to 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 be there for them in those moments um that there's a lot of power in that um and that there's that there's so much possibility in that that's good you know uh, wow i've I've literally been scribbling something down as you've been talking them okay I just think your gold of that and um like recently I've been playing Lego with the boys the boys have been yeah. getting into Lego it's been great for me I love that sort of stuff yeah but um, it's really challenged me about the creativity of them. So they're like, Daddy, I'm going to build uh, a super space rocket with a zoo on it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You build a zoo and then you can build a space rocket. And this is how you build a space rocket. And I almost take over yeah. and make, make it this perfect thing. But they're like, no, why can't I just stick a window here? Why can't I just put a, a slide on the top? I want a slide there. And I'm like, well, it, it, what's the function for it? And they're like, what do you mean what's the function the function is it looks good and it works for us that's what yeah. i want i want i want that's the i want the giraffe to be able to go on the slide and i'm like you're so right like i, I need to say yes to my my kids creative my kids are, like our kids are well i you know i was preaching to a bunch of young people last night and i said to them in that room i'm like in this room tonight well it was a virtual room it was like 100 That is true. To unlock that potential and to encourage that potential, and as what they're saying and watching where they, I just think, well done, mate. That's amazing, amazing, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, that's so cool. And I've got my, I've got my last question for you here, um, uh, and um, and 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 hopefully this will this will um, this will wrap us up nicely. Is um, just a really simple one to finish with what, you know, I, I'm hoping that, that dads will listen to this, that we'll, that we can get this out to some people that, that will go good. I want to hear, hear two guys talking about being a dad. Um, give us a, get, give us a top tip to wrap this up. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I think if I listened back to this, I could probably make, make a list of about 10 top tips, but, but what's your kind of like top tip for being a dad and you can make it top tip for being a dad of twins, if you like, cause that's unique. I've never done that. Um, I think, okay. I can give you a top tip as a twin dad and a top tip as a normal dad. Top Go tip on. is a treat them as individuals. Like they're, they, my kids are so different. They're, they're from the same womb that they're, 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 right. they're three minutes apart they look very very similar yeah but they're not they've got different personalities they they like you know one one's a leader one's a follower and that's okay and mm. we, we treat them as individuals and and I've, I've learned we've had to learn to do that and learn to let them express their creativity as they do that and who they are one's an introvert one's an extrovert and so there's wow. no point in, you know that's amazing isn't it like that they 
and and you there's this nature nurture thing yeah. but often the, the, you know there isn't one that's stronger than the other and that's what me and bridget have come to this understanding of is actually there's a nature that is placed in, in all of us there's something that's intrinsically programmed into all of us that's individual yeah but we have a power that individuality and i think that's so important so i think as a dad is you know my greatest advice would be enjoy it mm. because it goes so quick I, I think it goes so fast like my boys are going to go to primary school in september wow and it feels like five minutes since they've been born you know i can't believe that i can't believe that you've got a teenager yeah. around and um, like where has this time gone really it, it, it's flown by uh, and i think just enjoy every moment you get with your kids and don't be listen like be quick to forgive yeah and and you know be soft in in, in your um in your anger because because yeah. it's because you cannot control them you cannot control your kids you can only control yourself yeah and you the more you try to control your child the more frustrated you will be yeah but you love them and you can advise them and you can be um don't try and be be their parent and in being their parent you'll end up being their best friend i think yeah like my kids the other night one came to me and said daddy you're my best friend and the other one you're my hero and i just that melt with my little heart like i was just like oh my gosh like i was really mad at them for something and (laughs) said i'm really this," and i was just like "Ah, how can i do You've used your superpower on me. And, I know. Um, yeah. And what, what about you? What would you? What would your top tip be? Um, I, I mean, something came. Something came to me while you were talking, actually, about that whole, you know, kind of quick to forgive. Um, I, my top tip for for dads, particularly dads of girls, because I've got two girls. I obviously got a boy as well, but I, you know, you focused on on uh, in on the. Um, uh, on the twins, I'll focus on, on being a dad of girls. So you said be quick to forgive. My top tip is be quick to apologize because I find that I will give an opinion really quick. So they'll say, what are we having for dinner? And I hear three questions down the line. So they say, what are we having for dinner? And I can just hear them moaning. <laughs> right? So they say, what are we having for dinner? And I say something funny, like broccoli sandwiches. No, 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 Daddy. What are we having for dinner? Look, you're just going to whinge. Let me just make it, and then you can, you know, think it. You know, what are we having for dinner? And then I'll say, um, actually, because this happens frequently. Actually, I really haven't given it much thought yet, but probably pasta right so you know something basic something like that now my my girls will say because they're very creative and very switched on my girls will say ah well i'd hoped that maybe maybe we could have and then they'll say the thing like maybe we could have cheesy chips you know and i'm like look just because you've come down here saying that you want cheesy chips doesn't mean it's going to happen like I've got to be responsible. So I'm like, I'll have a go. Right. And then they'll leave the room and I'll go. There is literally no reason why we can't have cheesy chips. Yeah. I'm just being an asshole basically. Yeah. Like I had a best intention of like, 
wanting to have something reasonably healthy, but basically there's no reason why not. Now, as a dad, I think it's really hard then to admit that you're wrong. But I would say this top tip for me, and I practice this often, is to call the kid back. So I call Madeline back or call even back and I, and I just lay it out. And I say, look, sometimes you ask me questions that I'm not able to cope with and I, and I act badly, but giving me a couple of minutes to mull it over and mulling over that conversation, I've realized we probably could have cheesy chips and I'm really sorry that I was too quick to say no. And then we kind of hug it out and, and I'll say, you know, I'll kind of take Madeline by the shoulders and say, you had a really good idea. I was impatient and you know, you hear me, you were right. I was wrong and tr try and make something of it, but being quick to being quick to apologize because I'm very quick with an answer. I've got 10 for you. Ask me a question. I've got 10 answers for you, you know, but actually realizing that, that there was a thoughtful thing that happened that I wasn't on on board with but i can be on board with because it's perfectly acceptable so that's my top tip be quick to apologize change your mind dads um, um and particularly if you've got girls it actually does the world of good to your relationship to let your girls know that you um that you are fallible that you can change your mind you know i know that you do that because i've witnessed you do it with your kids i've watched you do it yeah and i've learned from that and I do that often. I do that now yeah. with my boys. Yeah. Because I've seen it work. So it's not just a top tip. It is a fact that that, that works. And that humility, that's another legacy that you're leaving to your children. Oh, I hope so. And honestly, like, I, I've learned to do that as a result of watching you. Mate, that's such a blessing to hear that. I really do appreciate you. And listen, I, I don't know if you're aware of the time. We've been talking for, for nearly an hour and we and we probably should wrap this up. So what I'm going to say is I hope that for you listening or watching um, the video of this, that you've enjoyed our conversation. The great thing about this conversation, Adam, for me is that because we're friends, because we've walked some of this parenting stuff together, we've talked about it. Uh, for anyone listening, they're getting a real conversation here and some real stuff. And and I hope that there's stuff to take away um, for people listening. I certainly feel like I've learned from you today. Um, and I'm really grateful of your time. And this this has been real fun. Thank you so much. Mate, loved it. Loved it. All right. Well, we'll I'm, I'm going to stop record and we'll carry on talking for a minute. But thank you so much for watching and I'll see you soon.